0: some are younger and some are not as young some chose the role some had the role thrust upon them some are mothers because they gave birth some chose to raise someone else's biological child some through various circumstances had a child thrust upon them and then they made the choice to be the mom and still others become spiritual moms then there's short-term moms like Mary Bennett, the commencement speaker, at Matthew's graduation yesterday. A foster mom to over 100 children over the years in a very, very poor place in the Appalachian Valley, many of whom she adopted. Some she had for a very short time. We heard the story. And some she's still caring for 35 years later because of their physical and mental disabilities. A mother's role is an an extremely difficult part to play, amen? There's no script. There's no detailed job description. There's no exhaustive owner's manual. Most mothers were not fully prepared to take the job on when they did. Many moms didn't have the best examples themselves. Each mother has to figure out how to navigate this role in their own generation. And that comes with its own difficulties and challenges and situations that are unique and not exactly like any other mom, whether it's their, their moms or their friends. Each mom has to figure this out on their own. Some mothers are a, a bit more prepared than others, and some seem to have an advantage. We've all met those, those women who seem like they had an edge over other, other mothers. But not all mothers do a great job either. Sadly, not all mothers do even do a good job. Today is a tough day because it brings all of these thoughts into our our mind, into our thinking. Some mothers decided that someone else should have the role. So for the good of their child, they gave the responsibility and role to somebody else to raise their own biological child. A very difficult decision. Moms, this morning I want to tell you that you are more. Despite how you feel, Despite your achievements or your failures, despite how some people feel about you, mothers, you are more. You're more than the number you see on the scale. You're more than the number of wrinkles you see in the mirror. You're more than the gray hairs you see growing on your head. You're more than the number of loads of laundry you've done. You're more than the number of meals you've cooked and the number of boo-boos you've helped heal. You're more than the amount of times you lost your cool or even lost your mind. You're more than the mistakes you made, the shame you feel, and you're more than the, su- su- the, than the successes you've realized. You're more than your child's mother or your husband's wife. You are more. You're more than a taxi cab, a money tree, and a sounding board. You're more than the shoulder to cry on, or a target to be shot simply because you're there. You're more even if you feel like you have utterly failed. You are more even if you have utterly failed. You're more because God says you're more. You're more because God created you to be more. You're more because God has seen you. He's seen your struggle. He's seen your thoughts, your concerns. He's seen your desires to be better, to be more. God has heard your cries. He's seen your tears. He's rejoiced with you and rejoiced in you. God knows how many hairs are on your head, and he actually knows their true color, even if no one else does. He's seen you when you fall, when you falter, and when you downright fail. He's watched you succeed, grow, and change. God is aware of all the times that you denied yourself so your children could have. He's been there the entirety of your life, and he declares to you today that you are more. He also says that there is more for you. He says, I'm not quite done with you yet. There is more race to run, even if you can only walk. There are more tears to dry, conversations to listen to, hearts to cheer, bodies to hug. There are more children to raise, even if you've not given birth to them. Even if these children are spiritual children in their 50s and 60s there are more to raise. There is more for you. There may be another apology to make for a mistake done in the past or even done today. There's likely forgiveness to be offered to someone else who hurt you or even forgiveness to receive for yourself. There is more. And although you can't truly make up for your mistakes, you can, with God's help, live better today. You can be more sympathetic and caring and thoughtful and less critical and more encouraging. You are more and there is more for you. There's more joy to have, more relief to feel, and definitely more to look forward to. There's more here on earth and definitely more in heaven. Your ultimate reward awaits you in heaven. One day, the Father can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. And we know that there isn't much rest here for a mother. He'll say one day, Enter into your joy. But in the meantime, moms, whether you've given birth or not, if you are a mother, I want to ask you right now where you're at, if you can, to stand. And stay standing until you've received a little, a little gift that the gentlemen are going to come forward and pass out as we honor all of the moms today in innovation. Stand to your feet, moms, and let's. Thank you, moms. Thank you, Claude. Amen. Thank you, moms. we have plenty amen amen there's two different things in there you could swap with someone if you want but you know happy mother's day moms and like i said you're a spiritual mom there's a lot of ways to be a mom don't worry, we'll have something for the dads in June, and we'll have a funny video too, all right, amen, amen, did everyone get one, because we were concerned, but I think we did, okay, perfect, good, There's, there's a couple of ladies over there, hey, in our In our remaining time this morning, I'm going to speak to all of us. We all need to hear from the the Word this morning, and we all need to hear from God this morning. So this morning I'm going to be talking to dads and moms, children and siblings. You know, it's one thing in common. All of us in here had a mom at one point. So we're all children. We'll talk to... Painters and pencil pushers and contractors and cleaners and karate instructors and talk to the lawyers and the law enforcement officers. I'm going to talk to the real estate agent and the retirees and the mechanics and the managers. I'm going to talk to the pastors and the parishioners. I'm going to talk to everyone this morning because we all need to be encouraged and hear from the Lord this morning and this message is for all of us. Mother's Day is actually a really difficult, difficult time uh, for, for many people and and believe it or not it, um, I'm finding it true as I've read a lot this week finding it that it's actually one of the most difficult Sundays to navigate for a pastor because uh, Mother's Day brings up so many thoughts difficult thoughts of maybe growing up in a home where you didn't have a good mom maybe you grew up in and uh haven't been the best mom yourself. There's some who've lost their children. Mother's Day can be a very, very difficult and painful day. I want to, I've been in prayer for for you this morning and I'm glad that you've come. Um, Sometimes, some Sundays, people purposely stay home on Mother's Day from church because of of that. And I just want to point out that you're not alone in this journey. You've got family and friends right around you. And I want to encourage us all to be aware of those ladies around you who uh, maybe are having a hard day today. Um, it's, it's, It's hard on one side to honor someone who's over here. Somebody else is feeling really discouraged about the same day but moms, we are grateful for you. And I really felt the Lord gave me what I read to you. I had to read it. I couldn't. I I, I, I just, I wrote it and I felt like, well, wow, I just need to read this. Because um, there is more for you yet. And we want to talk to you a little bit about this morning in our, in our remaining time. You know, the Bible says that God uses the perfect things to accomplish His will. He also says that if you've been trained and are wise enough in order for him to use you, if you have nobility, then your chance of God using you is really good. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says. Right? But but sometimes I feel like we live that way. You must maybe it's maybe it's in second opinions. <laughs> Cuz we sometimes have that opinion that if we in order to be used by God, we've got we to gotta be better than we are. We've got to be more perfect. The truth is, God uses the simple things to confound the wise. So God can use me, praise the Lord, because I'm, I'm a simple guy. It says, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Now look at your neighbor and tell him he's talking about you now. (laughs) Right? (coughs) Yesterday we had the boy, uh, and and I've been really emotional this last week, and it's right here for me. So I'm going to hope I make it through this whole day. We had the opportunity to go to uh, my son's graduation. He graduated from Life Pacific College. And um, we were there for the baccalaureate on Friday and the, and the graduation yesterday. And it was, was just a great and awesome time to see 180 people, young men and young women and old men and old women. Mary Bennett received her doctorate yesterday. And there were people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and probably 70s. Mary's actually, I think, in her 80s receiving degrees master's level some some uh there were people up there in their 40s and 50s receiving their bachelor's degree they went back they wanted to be trained but 180 people who are being equipped and launched into this world to serve jesus they have a heart for jesus and they have a passion for ministry and it was awesome to be there in angelus temple which is the, the birthplace, if you will, of the four-square denomination. The, the commencement speaker, Mary Bennett, said some wonderful things, but at the end of the service, one of the speakers, I, I, my wife and I, Shannon, were talking about that this morning, really felt like he just gave a quick plug, and, and it felt like an anointed Holy Spirit unctioned 3.32-second message that he had to tell the graduates. See, we're, we're living in a world that's getting darker. It's getting darker in the world and the culture that we live in. Um, it's not hard to see. If, if, if you're, you know, I'd say 40 year old, or you can go back and remember even TV, the things that weren't allowed to be said or showed or done on television, you go back, even further than that and and compare the the television from the 50s and early 60s to what we see on TV today and you remember Lucy and Ricky though they were married couldn't sleep in the same bed on on television yeah we've come a a long way since that baby the the world's getting darker everywhere we go Christians are being marginalized. Christianity is trying to be marginalized. The Bible says that in the end times, it'll go darker. That men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure. There'll be an increase in knowledge. People will be running to and fro. We're, we're living closer and closer in the end times, and they get dark. One of the wonderful things about darkness... See, you can probably barely tell I have a light on right here. If I wave a little bit, you can tell it. But if I were to turn all the lights off in this room and shut the doors, this light would be really bright. One of the wonderful things about darkness is that the light is noticeable and shines and stands out to where everybody can see the light. The Bible says that you are a light in the darkness. You're a city on a hill. Yesterday when we saw these graduates, they're being thrust out into ministry, and I love Life Pacific uh, because they're, they're training up business people. That, not everyone's going into ministry. A lot of people aren't going into ministry from there, but they're going into the workplace, going into counseling in different areas, and they've been trained to, to even understand marketplace evangelism, how they can be a light where they go. And, and this word thinking about the darkness that this man gave at the end. He gave a quick three-point message, and it was just so fast. He says, listen, graduates, you need to hear these three points as you're leaving today. As you go into the world, you need to remember that you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't elaborate. They know what he's talking about. And he says, you need to keep Jesus at the center of your life ministry, work, and family. Keep Jesus at the center. And he says, you need to keep your heart focused on the kingdom of God. Church, that's, that was not my message this morning. I'm putting that in because I believe it fits so well into the message. We need to be filled with the spirit of God. We need to keep Jesus at the center. We need to keep focused on the kingdom of of God wherever we can do because we have a job in front of us to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ to reach our friends family neighbors coworkers with the good news of Jesus Christ, that he saved us. The, the same reason that we get up and come to church together to celebrate and honor him, because we love God and we know that there's something that we need here. We need the power of God. That same reason is the same thing that needs to thrust us out into everywhere we go and be the light. Now, if I hold this up, you can probably see it a little better. And we need to be the light. And we can't Hide it, but stand strong and be the light in this dark world. On any given Sunday in Big Bear, there is probably about 5% of the population, full time population, in church. That means about 95% of the people who, who aren't in fellowship on any given Sunday. Now, there, there's probably other more Christians than that. They're just not in church on any given Sunday. On any given weekend with 100,000 visitors, we were talking about that if, if only 1% to 2% of those that visit Big Bear on a weekend showed up in church, we wouldn't have any more room for people. 1% to 2%. Which means that of all the visitors coming to Big Bear, less than 1% to 2% bother to go to church when they're away. But some of them need Jesus. And, that, and I don't, I'm not saying you have to be in church to be a Christian. You are trying to draw this picture. There is a, a great need for people to to witness to be a light for Jesus in the world. And I'll tell you it's daunting to me. The, 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 the magnitude of it, the fear of walking across the street to talk to my neighbor or open my mouth, I'm sure for you is, is, is as intimidating as it is for me. You might think it's more intimidating for you and, and, and maybe it is, but sharing my faith isn't always the easiest thing for me either. But God is calling us to be a light in the darkness. Ralph Waldo Emerson, believe it or not, said this thinking of the magnitude of the ta of, of what we've got in front of us i saw i know this quote and thought this is important the task ahead of us is never as great as the power behind us the task ahead of us is never so great as the power behind us church the bible says in second corinthians 4 it says that we have a treasure in earth vessels normal ordinary clay pots there is a purpose and a treasure inside of each and every one of us. And in 1 John 4, 4, it says that greater is he that is in you and me than he that's in the world. The power behind us is greater than the task before us as we're thinking about reaching the lost and being the light and standing firm in the gospel firm. That means that we can't change with every shifting doctrine. As the the culture changes, we don't change the Word of God. We stand firm in it, and that's going to be more and more and more difficult. Political correctness comes in. Fear of hurting people outweighs the truth. We're we're more afraid of, of hurting somebody's feelings than we are of making sure people are, are safe and actually using logic and spiritual wisdom to help people. And if, it, if it's not affecting, if you don't think it's affecting you, start taking a, better, a closer look. I would say it's probably affecting you and you don't even know it yet. Because I've started seeing things in me, hearing things that I begin to say, and go, wait a second, is that truth or is that political correctness coming out? It's going to be harder and harder. But church, we can do it. You can do it. What we have to begin to do is to step out in faith. You need to begin to let our faith even explode and understand that God is moving in us and wants to move through us and be willing to let God manifest his gifts and power through us because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. I love it. Gen- Genesis 12, too, says that he, he, God says, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. The greatest blessing I have in my life is salvation. It's the love of Jesus Christ, and I've got a lot of blessings, and I want to use all of them to bless the world. My family is, is, is the next biggest blessing I have in my life, but he blesses me all the time, but God said, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. You can be a blessing to people around you by sharing your faith, by loving them unconditionally, by following Christ and doing what he says. And every time we feel faint or don't think we can do it, we, can re- we need to remind ourselves that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 3 says that our sufficiency is of God as ministers of the gospel. You don't have to fake it till you make it. Everything you need is inside of you if God lives inside of you. Everything. Some of you are looking a little scared. Some of you are looking really holy this morning. I, I've got... A lot of scriptures i just want to re- read the portions of scripture here there's a lot of them but it's encouraged that it's it's important that we feel the encouragement from the scriptures jesus said in matthew 28 says i am with you till the end of the age i am with you when we go out from here we need to know that jesus christ goes with us because he lives in us and wants to live through us we need to leap out in faith We don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus and him crucified. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says that all of his promises are yes, and the amen is in Jesus Christ. God has a purpose and a plan and a desire for us to just let him move through us, and all we have to do is be willing and say, here I am, Lord, as in Isaiah. Who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Here am I. Send me, says Isaiah. I was thinking about some, some people. Do we, are, do, are we qualified? Do you have what it takes to be what God wants you to be? And most people will answer an absolute resounding no. I don't have what it takes, but you do. We all do, and this is what, what we want to be encouraged today. You have what it takes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, Therefore you do, no, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. You know, there's, when we're talking about spiritual gifts, he says to, to desire the greater gifts, to desire spiritual gifts. That means that we, God can give you a gift in the time of need and that you don't lack anything if you will just simply go out. That promise to, to Mary Bennett was so awesome. We've watched it play out in other people's lives. He's, the Lord said to her before she started, she, back in the early 70s, she was rising up and she was an executive with AT&T. She had a good job and, and somebody told her, actually, that she should go back to Kentucky. into I mean, if you've been to Kentucky, there's a lot of poverty there, and this was a, no, no different in, the, in her town. And it says, you should go back there. And she just said, absolutely not. I'm not going to go. And, and she found another person in the, in the four-square church who was the district supervisor of an area, and, and she went to him and says, you know what? I'll quit my job and serve in your district if you want. And, and if you'll have me. And she was already, uh, she was preaching and teaching and doing all these things. And the, that supervisor looked at her and it says, I will find a spot, we'll take it. And then he stopped and was silent for just a minute. And he says, the Lord just told me that I can't give you a position until you fulfill what God's calling you to do. Well, she knew what that was. It was to sell, to quit her job and go move to poverty in Kentucky. And she goes, how on earth can I feed the people when she got there? And she began to have these people. How can I feed them? How can I care for them? And that's when God told her, I will provide for you everything you need. Just don't let one penny stick to your fingers. In other words, it's not yours. It's not yours. I believe he'd say the same thing to us. The gifts that you have, they're not for you, but I'll provide them. If you'll be faithful, I'll use you to bless other people. 2 Peter says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. We have everything we need as we get to know Him uh, through our knowledge of Him who called us. We've read the Bible and we've read these great stories of people and the great things that they did for God, like Joseph. He became the ruler of Egypt and, and eventually saved his people let's see, what was his qualification? He spent time in prison. That's right. That was a good qualification. That prepared him to be the second in command. Jacob was a great man of faith and leader in Israel. He was a deceiver. John the Baptist, he ate some weird food. I guess that's what made him qualify. What qualified John the Baptist? Amos, the prophet Amos was a a shepherd, a sheep breeder. Peter was impetuous and he had rocky faith. You know Esther's qualification? She was good looking and willing. She actually used what God gave her. God gave her beauty. And she used the beauty not for herself, but to save her people because she was willing to be used by God. David, when he killed Goliath, man's answer was to use the best that man had to offer. The armor and sword of, of, of King Saul. But God had already equipped David with a slingshot. That's how, that's how some of us feel. We're going to go into battle to fight the giant and all we got is a slingshot. That's enough. If God calls you, that's enough. It, wherever God calls you to go, whatever he calls you to do, he's equipped you to do it. He does not leave you alone. He doesn't leave me alone. I love what happened with Moses. When Moses was in trouble, God said simply, what do you have in your hand? I've got a staff. And God used the stick. God used a simple stick to part waters and to do miracles and to do all of these things, so much that Moses began to trust in the stick over him. God in you, God in you, he's the hope of glory. God in you is a majority. God in me is a majority. In John chapter 6, we see the story of the feeding of the the 5,000. And Jesus only needed a boy who was willing, who had some stinky fish. Think about that, sitting out. I mean, how long do fish really do well and smell good in your basket? Not very long. I think some of you in here think that your only gift is a stinky fish. I want to tell you that God will use your stinky fish if you're willing. Corinthians, it says that he uses the foolish things and the weak things and the base things. Moses was slow of speech and yet he used them. I love the fact that God used Moses' stick, because sometimes I feel dumb as a stick, so maybe he can use me too. There was even a time, Balaam, God was trying to get Balaam's attention, and Balaam wasn't listening to God, so God made his ass speak to him. So if God can use an ass in the Old Testament, he can probably use one today. That's right. Amen. The task ahead of us. The scriptures, Corinthians, our weapons are mighty. Our weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we walk by faith and not by sight. Luke chapter 10 says, I give you authority to trample on all the tricks and the deception of the enemy. I give you power over the enemy. Zechariah says that it's not by your own might, not by your power, but it's by the Spirit, says the Lord. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 says that we are more than conquerors. And yet here we sit. God wants to shake up our faith, shake us up, and use us to advance the kingdom of God. And one thing we don't want to, th- what I don't want us to connect is that we need to go to Bible college and get a degree. You know, the only one who seemed like they had it together of the disciples, intelligent, crafty, wise, was Judas. Judas. He was the money handler. He he probably was the only one who could count without taking off his sandals. They were all ordinary men. In fact, look at the disciples that, that, that Jesus chose to include in the story. In the whole gospel presentation, he used fishermen, tax collectors, women. And in that society, none of them were very... Uh, they weren't the favorite they weren't fond of any of these types of people and he used those people to bring forth the kingdom of God to all the world to preach it we're in good company church we're in really good company to know that that God is calling us James chapter 5 says that Elijah was a man just like us I've read that scripture I went no I ain't nothing like Elijah, man. That guy was a man of faith. He was a man just like us, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. In other words, we can be just like Elijah and be where God wants us to be and do what God wants us to be if we'll just submit and listen to him. We can be like Elijah or Moses or Joseph let your faith explode. No matter how old you are today, doesn't matter how young. Your experiences, your job, our su- sufficiency is from God. It's not from the world, it's not from the world's standards. But one thing in common of all the disciples is they were willing. They are willing to go the distance. They're willing to give it all to him. Hear my, send me." The other thing that they, they had, I think, is that they spent enough time with God to know who He was. And they didn't back down from that. See, I think we need to, to know God in a, in a fresh way. Get to know Him and His grace a little bit more, understand Him. Because I think when we spent time with the Father, We'll be ready, like Paul, to go all the way. Paul had a good life. He was respected. He had Roman citizenship and yet was a Jew. He had favor with both groups of people. He was studied and learned. And he gave it all up because he had an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. I think we need to be looking for that time with God so we can have the encounter and know him truly. Maybe we just need to go back and remember the encounter that we've had with God so that we're willing to just follow him and let your faith explode. You know what? You have what it takes, church. Every one of you. And I have what God wants us to have, and we have what we need to make a difference in the world. Now, here's, I, I'm a really interactive guy, as you know. So if there is anybody in your life that needs Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. All right. Most of us have somebody that we know. Those who don't, go meet somebody. You don't know enough people. Right, We all know somebody who needs Jesus. I could, I could ask the question, who has somebody they care about? I think all of us would raise our hands again. Not just no, we care about these people. Well, God's going to use you and me to reach your friends, your neighbors. Now, what's, what's kind of fun is sometimes he'll use Steve to reach my neighbor, and he'll use me to reach his friend. I don't know why God does that, but I've seen, he might do that. But boy, I better be willing to go because Steve's friend needs to be reached. Maybe he's going to use me and not him. You want to be willing for somebody else, for those you know. You have what it takes. Each man, 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, each man has his own gift from God. I was you've you've ever been to another church or or, or gone to school or college or, I mean, just actually in every part of life, you notice that not everyone approaches everything the same way. There's people who teach systematically. There's people who just yell and scream a lot when they preach. There's people who, who do combinations and there's people who are just weird like me. A little bit of humor. It takes every Personality, and it takes every gifting to reach everyone. You're called and gifted to reach a few people that only you can reach because God gifted you and gave you a personality and certain experiences to reach certain people. It says in 1 Corinthians that each man has his own gift from God. And later in talking about the gifts, it says that we, he's gifted us with a spiritual gift. Are you afraid? I oh, am. Yeah. Sometimes I'm afraid. God's command to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid of failure or persecution because we're already beginning to be persecuted. Don't be afraid of being rejected by man because the Bible says you're accepted by him. And if you confess him to others, he'll confess you to God. How would you like to be presented to God by Jesus? Well, God, here's this guy. Here's this girl. They had a lot of opportunities to share their faith, and they didn't do it. But uh, here they are. Or do you want to say, Father? This is Claude. He opened up his mouth to his neighbor and his friends. And he shared what what we did in his life to his friends and neighbors. He was not ashamed of the gospel. God wants to break fear off of us and set us free so that we can accomplish everything God has for us. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have. I know the thoughts I think towards you. It says, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. God wants to bring us back from captivity, I believe, this morning. Here's some things that you might be held captive to. Fear. Insecurity. Shame, low self worth, addiction, sin. He wants to bring you back from that captivity. He wants to set our feet on solid ground. Some of us made, some of you, some of us, we've all made mistakes, and some of you are sitting here saying, I've made so many mistakes in my life. I don't know if there's any redemption for me. I'm just just hoping to die and be good enough that God will accept me. You can never be good enough for God to accept you. Jesus was good enough for you. And we just call on him and say, forgive me. God's forgiveness is different than man's. Sadly, we always want to see and we want to hold on to our unforgiveness God knows when somebody truly repents and asks forgiveness. And then he says, I remember your faults no more. This morning, if you've lived a life with a lot of mistakes, you need to to let those go and let God really forgive you this morning. And then just step into what he has for you. And he can redeem the time left, the time that maybe you wasted or other people wasted. It says that he can restore the... Years that the locust has eaten. Doesn't matter where you're at in this season of life. If you're willing, he'll use you. And he wants to. I want to pray for all of us this morning. (sighs) Father, this is a, a Mother's Day sermon for all of us. God, I know that there are people this morning who... Who need to be able to walk in freedom and walk in forgiveness this morning. Forgiveness of themselves. God, I pray that all through the room right now, that you would lift shame, sadness from those who've done things that they regret and maybe have caused harm to friends and family and maybe their own children. God, I pray that you would bring freedom and forgiveness right now. God, I pray that you would be one who could restore relationships, that you do a work in people who have broken relationships within their family. God, we know that you said that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God, we thank you that you are great and that you live inside of us and you help us to overcome the enemy, and have a a fruitful, prosperous, and blessed life. God, I pray that each of us would begin to more and more step into the things that you have for us. God, I pray for those who are, are just sad and broken this morning, that you would comfort them. God, that you would bring other believers to those that are suffering loss or or recovering from a loss of some type, God, that you would comfort them through the Holy Spirit and that you'd bring other believers to, to bring comfort and, and begin to set them free from the sadness and begin to have that hope of a new life and a, a future life, God. Father, the task that we have in front of us to reach our friends, family, neighbors for you is great. God, the task that we have to reconcile to, to broken relationship is great, but we thank you that the power within us is greater. So as we leave today, I pray that there would be joy in the journey. There would be hope. God, there would be strength and commitment on our part. Commitment to you and willingness to do and to go where you call us. And we know, Father, you'll be faithful to supply what we need when we get there. I just pray a blessing on everyone this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.